Lake Effect brings you conversations about what's happening in Milwaukee and the people, places, and organizations that shape our community. This is Lake Effect Spotlight from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. High-grade Wagyu beef can cost up to $200 a pound. Wagyu refers to four native Japanese cattle breeds whose meat is most known for its marbling or its fat. This produces what many say is a buttery flavor without any additives. But you don't need to go all the way to Japan to try it. An American breed of Wagyu cattle lives right here in Wisconsin at Generations Beef in Dane County. Lake Effect's Mallory Chang speaks with the founder, Darren Kittleson, about how their former dairy farm pivoted to raise American Wagyu cattle. Darren, you are a fifth-generation Wisconsin farmer, and while growing up, your family farm focused on dairy operations, so cow knowledge is in your blood. But now instead of raising cows for their milk, you're breeding Japanese cattle that are most well-known as Wagyu beef, which is a very specific and expensive type of beef where a pound of high-grade Wagyu could be up to $200 for a pound. But what makes Wagyu so special? Why would someone pay almost $200 for a pound of it? Yeah, you know, it's a, that's a question I had at the beginning, too, is to say, why would someone do that? You know, um, dairy and beef cattle are two very different uh, types of farming because with the dairy, we're operating, working with the cows every day. They get very used to being around humans. With the beef cattle, is we work with them a couple times a year, and then we leave them to their own device out on pastures so they can eat you know, our grass and, and what we grow for them. And when I looked at what to do as far as to bring a product to the farm that could be viable. I had a friend who started breeding this breed of Waigu cattle, and the breed we do specific is called Akaushi. And Waigu is kind of the general term that covers all Japanese cattle. In fact, that word itself is beef cow in Japanese, So that, but it's an all-encompassing word that talks about a higher quality beef. And that's really what they've been breeding in Japan for millennia. What drew me to this, this breed specifically of Akaushi was that um, in a single cross from like an Angus, which would be a, another breed that is very common here in the U- U.S., just a single cross with a full-blood Akaushi, the quality of the meat dramatically changes. And when I say quality, it's tenderness. It's uh, the marbling within the muscle of the meat, which is that the, those white strips, that, that's where the flavor is. It's the fat, basically. It has a very low melting point as well so that it gets absorbed into the muscle when the beef gets cooked. So it's tremendous flavor. Uh, so we've got really tender beef with tremendous flavor, and that's really what drives people, I think, to pursue that type of beef and, and to be willing to pay as high as uh, you know $200 a pound for uh, what might be considered some of the best beef in the world. Um, a lot of times that would be at that pricing. It's coming right from Japan. Uh, it would be like A5 Wagyu, which is a very regulated process that they do in Japan. What we're doing here would be American Wagyu, so not quite to that level yet, but a lot of the same qualities. And we're making it here in Wisconsin, which is the other part of it, is that the fact that it, uh, you'll know exactly where it comes from, uh, from where we're raising our, our beef cattle. Yeah, that's really, it's a new way of becoming a part of America's Dairyland, right? It's now we're going into Wagyu beef. And I just want to contextualize, too, in Japan, like you just mentioned, there are robust and very strict regulations on how cattle are raised, where they 
live, have to live in a low-stress environment, eat high-grade wheat, and have open areas to graze. And as a person, that sounds really nice. So I'm sure like as a cow, I'm, that's great. Um, and they even go through genetic testing in Japan before even being bred for Wagyu beef. And you just mentioned that there is a difference between Japanese Wagyu beef and American Wagyu. And could you explain a little bit more about that? What is the difference? We're a young industry in the U.S. with Wagyu. The breeds themselves, that uh, like Akushi, is one of the th- three emperor's breeds. Uh, they call them Rag- Wagyu Red. Kobe would be another breed of the emperor's breeds that people might recognize that name of. So that's been you know centuries of development genetically there. Uh, here in the U.S., the breed I chose to work with was Akushi because we are doing the similar things. We're we're genetically testing every animal, so we can't. I can't market it as as Akaushi beef unless I've got the genetics to show that it is. And what what made me excited about that is that that way we're protecting the quality of the of the beef no matter where someone might buy it if it says it's Akaushi beef you know it has at least 50% Akaushi genetics. And and that's important because I want to make sure the consumer's experience is always similar, right? So if you buy a cut a really great steak and it's, it looked great in the package, it said it was some breed, but then you got it home and you cooked it and it wasn't what you were used to, that harms that whole process of branding the breed. And so that's uh, that's one of the reasons that I really got excited about this one. And, and so the other thing that's interesting around uh, this breed of Akushi, and I didn't know this story, but I thought it might be kind of cool to share – when they found a loophole in the export laws from Japan in the early 1990s, and it was a group of heart surgeons out of South Texas, they custom retrofit a 747 airplane to bring these cattle on a 747 to the United States. They landed in Milwaukee, and they brought them here to, to Wisconsin to go through the quarantining process. They did that, I was told, at Sunshine Genetics, which is in Whitewater, and then they got shipped to South Texas, which is where the nucleus of the herd that we're working from to this day is still at. And so there is a, there's a Milwaukee connection to these cattle, and I didn't know that when we decided to start breeding them since we started working with them, and I went to the farm which is called Heartbrand in uh, in Flatonia, Texas, I bought two full-blood uh, Akushi bulls, and that became the foundation for the herd that we're working with today. It was kind of fun to say, okay, well, we're bringing them back to Wisconsin. And, and to this point, I'm one of three breeders in the state that I know of uh, that have this breed of cattle. That's really funny that their first stop was here in Wisconsin <laughs> with uh, your farm in Dane County. Can you tell me a bit about how the Akaushi cows live out there? <laughs> you know, and that's a great question because um, when I, I went to Flatonia to Heartbrand to buy the two bulls that we started with, and I, I saw them, they were just under two years of age, which is a good beginning uh, spot for, for bulls to get, go into a herd to start working. And we shipped them up in May of 2018, and, you know, that was summer. So they got to come from South Texas to get acclimated to Wisconsin through summer. That first winter, I was uh, curious to see how they would be. But indicative of the breed, in the area of Japan where the Akushi comes from, they were bred to be uh, climate hardy. I mean, so they, they were in the mountainous region, and so they were meant that they're used to it in their genetics of uh, colder weather. So they've been good. Um, they they do well on our grasses and our uh, and our pastures. I'm just wondering too. Like, um, I know I listed in Japan, they have like the cows have a very specific 
uh, regulations and how the life they live. So on your farm at Generations Beef, do they get to live the same lush life <laughs> as the other Akaushi cows in Japan? Well, as close as we can. And, and, you know, and I think one of the things is if we talk about the Kobe breed, what I'd always heard is that, you know, they, they get fed beer all their life and they get massaged all day. And that's what makes the, the beef so incredible. Our Akaushi don't require all of that. Um, now, nutrition is important, and that's with any any type of livestock. Uh, what we decided to do uh, with my family's farm, we were just shy of 300 acres. We were predominantly doing uh, soybeans, corn, and alfalfa in our rotation on these rolling hillsides that we grew our crops on. When we switched over to the Akaushi cattle, we took everything back to permanent pasture. And so um, everything is a mix of grasses, all geared towards nutrition for the cattle. And what we do is a a technique called rotational grazing. And so we'll move the cows and calves into a a paddock or a, a pasture area one day. They'll last about a day and a half to two days where they'll graze it down to a certain level. Then they go to the next pasture over. So they're constantly being rotated through all this really fresh, regenerated forage. And they seem to do really well. The only thing we don't have that they would have fed in South Texas is uh, they can't graze through the winter. So in the winter, we bring everything back down by our buildings, and they're fed a, a ration of what we grow locally. So it's it's corn silage, uh, corn, and alfalfa. It's all crops coming from the area. However, it's mixed together, and then they're fed in a bunking system versus out grazing. But as soon as early spring, we get the, the, the pastures back regenerating so that we can put it back out. We do as much of it as we can. We have some woodland as well, but uh, they're on that you know, as much of the year as we possibly can have them be there. Of course, the life of the cattle is, it sounds like it's humane, and it sounds like they get to live uh, full. How do all of these regulations and this lifestyle that you're kind of creating for the cow, how does that affect the taste eventually? Could you describe what Wagyu beef tastes like for someone who may have never thought to even buy a slice or, yeah. or even are thinking about that? Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, one of the awarenesses I, most of the consumers now are getting is that, you know, we have to pay attention to where our food's coming from. And I always tell folks, uh, when we have first-time customers who order from us, I'll say, have you had Wagyu before? And if they say no, I'll say, well, here's the thing I'm going to ask. The first time you cook, whatever you're going to cook, don't, don't season it. Um, a lot of times I think we're used to when I buy a steak in a grocery store, I'll put a lot of seasonings on it, which makes it taste better. I always say, don't season at all because I want you to get the full flavor before you start to season. And many times, all that most people ever end up doing is maybe salting it slightly before they cook it, and then they don't add anything else. The flavor's right there, right in the muscle of the of the meat itself as you cook that steak or that ground beef. And the cool thing is the fat, uh, because it's got such a low melting point, gets absorbed right into the muscle. So if I cook ground beef as a burger, normally I'm used to having that burger shrink a little bit. And then in the pan, there's the leftover fat. It's rare that you'll have any of that because it gets reabsorbed. That's the other thing that drew me to this breed is that the, that fat is heart healthy. So this is good fat in it. It adds to the flavor, but it also, uh, we have patents actually from the Breed Association showing that it's lowering uh, bad cholesterol in our bodies and raises good cholesterol in our bodies by eating it. And we're putting out just a really great product. And that's really what we've been working for since 2018. With everything that goes into caring for the cows, making sure that they're being fed a healthy and holistic and nutritious diet. And what does the demand for Wagyu beef look like here in Wisconsin as a 
you know, as Generations Beef that's based in Wisconsin. We're pioneers uh, in a way. Uh, and, and, you know, when we talk about the $200 a pound beef, there are some ranches uh, in the United States that have done a really good job of getting the brand awareness. And, and they're demanding some really high dollar per pound uh, sales. We're not there yet. Every generation that I'm able to go with the with the stock too, the more to full blood we get, the better the beat improves as well in all those characteristics. So we're working towards that. You know, we're slightly more than what you would probably pay at the local grocery store for a, a similar cut of, of beef, but we're not significantly more. And that's by design. I, first off, I want to get people familiar with it, and then I also want to get more people eating it. And so. Um, we're pioneering it in the Midwest. There's not many people doing it yet. As they get more familiar, I think we'll, we'll see more and more demand. And it's also not priced at $200 a pound. So my most expensive cut is our, uh, is our, our filet mignon, which is the uh, tenderloin. And I'm at just under $30 a pound for that. Um, we did experiment with some tomahawk ribeyes, which are those, it's the rib bone that looks like a big tomahawk. Those are almost three pounds. Uh, those run a little higher than that because it's it's the prime cut of, of the carcass. Um, but even there, we're at under $50 a pound for that. So it's it's a it's a new product it's it's an awareness thing for the consumer uh, and that's really what we're why we're out there talking as much as we can about it, just so people understand that they they can get local raised wagyu that has great flavor and it's reasonably priced yeah there's definitely a range but Darren thank you so much for being here on Lake Effect it's been my pleasure thank you so much Valerie I really love the opportunity to talk about it Darren Kittleson is the founder of Generations Beef he spoke with Lake Effect's Mallory Chang. You can find more interviews like this one by visiting wuwm.com slash lake effect. And while you're there, subscribe to the Lake Effect Spotlight podcast. 